Today on The Topping Show, James Bond is being censored, Nokia attempts some rebranding, United States Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the U.S. will fund the Ukraine conflict for, quote-unquote, as long as it takes, and Corner Bakery Cafe declares bankruptcy. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is proudly sponsored by ExpressVPN and Topping Technologies. ExpressVPN helps protect your online data, and Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. If you're a business owner or if you're an IT leader in Texas, you use some assistance, you can reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, jumping into the business part of the podcast, Twitter announced they're going to cut another 10% of their staff. Most of these roles are going to be in engineering and product roles. And again, going back to one of my tips, one of my things I live by is always quantify everything. So 10% translates to about 200 workers. And Elon noted this is his another attempt to stabilize the company as they are continuing to bleed money as advertisers across the board and especially in Twitter are just decreasing how much they spend. All the major brands are spending less in advertising, especially with the economic downturn that's Usually one of the things is pretty pretty quickly crushed or decreased just because of the hard way of quantifying how much money is their brand making by putting an advertisement on Twitter. If you go and buy an iPhone, you're going to tell them, oh yeah, I saw it on Twitter. So that, I think Elon needs to create some tools for the company to help quantify some of those ROI. That If they could actually make that a plug-in or an added value that a business and advertiser could pay for, and this might be a hidden feature, something I'm not aware about at the moment, but if they could help quantify those actual results in ROI, that would definitely help them. It'll be interesting to see the company is bleeding millions and millions of dollars a day, so Elon's still trying to turn around and trying to have it so they make a profit. It'll be, see, it'll be interesting to see what happens as he continues to try to revitalize the company. It's been bleeding money for years. Now, longtime company Nokia is attempting to rebrand the business, and this is the first rebranding in 60 years. A little bit of history there. Founded in 1865. And they are the best-selling cell phone company in history. Their cell phones, they, they didn't just sell the number one best cell phone in history. They, sold, they had the highest best cell phone in history by volume of sales for first place, second place, fourth place, fifth place. So the Nokia 1100 or 1100, it had 255 million units sold between 2003 and 2009. The Nokia 1110, 250 million units sold between 2005 and 2007. Now, third place best-selling phone in history is the Apple iPhone 6. That has 220 million units sold from 2014-2016. Again, going to Nokia for number four, the 3210 sold 160 million units from 1999 to 2000, I believe. And the Nokia 1200, fifth place, sold 155 million units from 2007 to 2010. Which is an astonishing feat that might never happen again just because of how quickly technology evolves and the newest model of phones come out. But for the longest time, that's what the entire public knew about the company. I mean, the Nokia brick is a cliche among durability of products. I mean, there's a funny meme I remember on LinkedIn a couple of weeks back where Someone actually, there's a little plastic and leather case around the Nokia phone. And someone in the, co- the main meme was, you know, if you feel like your job is ever useless, remember someone decided a case for the Nokia phone. And the number one reply was, that was to protect the ground. 
Because, I mean, those phones are so ridiculously durable. However, like many companies, similar to BlackBerry, they didn't really successfully transition to the smartphone era. Nokia dominated the pre-data plans where you didn't have internet on the phone. And they, like BlackBerry, also stuck to a couple of proprietary things that made it a little bit more difficult for developers to put things on their phones. So this, the, the current CEO took place or replaced the previous one in 2020. His name is Pika Lundmark. And his, he notes that his strategy was to reset, accelerate, and scale. And he claims that the reset stage is now complete. And now it's on to accelerate. Now, going to the logo, this, this almost, I feel, belongs in the business blunders of the week, but we have another story for that. This is the logo that everyone knows the past 60 years. And again, the quality of this podcast is just going to increase over time. We've upgraded from regular paper to cardstock. Oh, you can hear the quality on that. But this is a logo that everyone knows. Very succinct. It's just, if you're listening to it, it's simply Nokia and you have a blue background with Nokia being white. Extremely brilliant, simple, effective. You know exactly what the company's name is. This will go down in history as their logo, in my opinion. The new logo, it's hard to describe. They basically put their old, old logo in a paper shredder in an attempt to look more artsy. So they, if, you look, if you're not looking at the screen or you're just listening, the new logo is reminiscent of the Kia logo, which was also redesigned. So they took the Nokia name and they cut out almost every quarter of each letter so now the N looks like a upper of a triangle. The O is complete. The K no longer has a vertical line. It just has the sideways triangle. The I is that's complete. Then the A, they tore off the left arm of the A. So the upper left of the triangle that would be made with the traditional A is all now gone. And they have a couple different backgrounds behind it. This one has some cabling since it's an infrastructure company now. But this has to be one of the... I take it back. This is the business blunder of the day. This is, It deserves it. These two logos couldn't be more different. And I get they're trying to go through a new thing, but this is confusing as all hell. This is simple. The old logo is simple. You can read it a mile away. It was brilliantly simplistic and easy for the customer to understand. Similarly, one of the most Googled things in 2022 was the new Kia logo, which is exactly like this, where they chopped out parts of the letters. And it did look it looked a lot more futuristic, but the consumers are so utterly confused, they thought it was a whole different company. Which, I suppose the CEOs is trying, they're trying to do that, but you're eroding any brand recognition you previously had that you spent millions of dollars and countless hours investing in to create. So it's so bizarre and it's even worse for Nokia because their brand was already struggling in regards to people knew them for decades as a cell phone company. They were the biggest, they were the best as I noticed with the stats, but a lot of people don't know they changed their business model. They, they've done a lot of things throughout the years, even making paper, but they're now predominantly a business to business business um, model of sales. So they are not selling to end users. 
So there's already that lack of brand awareness where like a lot of folks not in IT might not even know Nokia is still around and is still one of the largest companies out there. It's because now they're inventing and investing and creating telecom backend logistical equipment and hardware and software. So if you go to the website, this is what their main description was. And mind you, this is one sentence. At least it was on their website. I'm not a grammar genius, but here's what they are, quote unquote. We are the leading vendor in network and IP infrastructure software and related services. Sorry, next sentence. This is one sentence. We provide a broad range of products from the hardware components of networks used by communication service providers and increasingly in other select verticals to run software solutions as well as service services to plan, optimize, implement, run, and upgrade networks. Which is a very long description. It should be a quarter of that. And it is a very diverse company. They do create a lot of different things, but nowadays a lot of people know them in the IT background or IT segment of industry for infrastructure around the 5G rollouts, similar to Ericsson. And this new logo, it just further confuses the customer. It does, I suppose, help people understand they're going in a new direction, but it'll be interesting to see how it works out for them long-term and if they just re maybe go back to the old logo as some companies have. I didn't see how much, I couldn't find any stats on how much they paid for this new logo design, but that's something that traditionally companies pay millions upon millions of dollars. I believe with Accenture, uh, IT consultant company being one of the most expensive logo redesigns in history, coming in at a couple hundred million. Going over to Corner Bakery Cafe, they, they declared bankruptcy re recently. Specifically, they declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And that is the type of bankruptcy that allows the company to stay in business and restructure its obligations. So they're still going to be around. They're just going to try to cut some of their costs, maybe get out some of the leases a little bit early or renegotiate those leases. So there's a lot of these restaurants, they don't actually own the land which they build upon or they rent their um, stores and restaurants out of. And quote unquote, they actually declared chapter 11 in an attempt to fend off creditors from taking control. This is another theme I continually come back to when we're talking about businesses and just the dangers of when you're taking an infusion, infusion of capital and when you're buying and selling businesses, they might have not your, they might have a short-term vision and you might have a long-term vision. Now, going back to 2021, they actually had 161 locations, but they were $33.8 million in debt, which was from the investment firm Panda or Pandaya Group when they bought Corner Bakery from Reork, R-O-A-R-K, maybe that's how it's pronounced, Reork Capital. And the, the court documents also noted that they are down to only 14 franchise locations. And depending on your business model, that's a very bad sign since a big trend in restaurants is to expand exponentially with franchise models where they give you the template for success, you pay a fee, they give you all the equipment, and you run the store as a business owner with one of the most successful examples in history being McDonald's. And if they're only down to 14, that means most of them are corporate owned. And the trends, I, the trends I've seen working with different restaurants throughout the years is they want more franchisees because they've taken on a big capital risk and it's their job to manage it. You do provide some oversight so you have the quality control. But it basically allows the head, the head company to get the residuals and they reinvest with the marketing and all the support. But 
that's traditionally what these restaurants have been doing. It'll be interesting to see how they proceed. Going on to the culture part of the podcast, Elon Musk is now the richest person in the world again. I kind of hinted at this a couple weeks ago where everyone was making fun of Elon for losing the most money in history. Well, yeah, when you have the most money, you take the biggest risk. You're going to have the biggest reward and the biggest losses. So he controls some of the biggest companies on the planet. He's built a lot of those companies from the ground up. So I'm not worth, I'm not too surprised that his net worth is now the richest in the world. Thanks to the Tesla stock increase, which is a big part of his value or his net worth, he is now worth $187.1 billion. And he passed Bernard Arnault, who is the CEO of the French luxury brand LVMH, his worth being $185.3 billion. And a fun little side note about that company, LVMH, it's a it's kind of a bland company name, but they control over 60 subsidiaries and manage 45 premium brands. Pretty much pretty much if it's a fancy French brand, they own it. So they own the company Louis Vuitton, Sephora, watch company Tag Heuer, Marc Jacobs, Tiffany & Co., and Dior. So it's a fun, interesting little side note of... He, Bernard Arnault had a brilliant idea to bring all those companies together because there's a lot of cost savings. You can consolidate some of the infrastructure and some of the support. But all that was a brilliant business decision, but Elon still beat him. And Elon did it with only a couple of companies, which is also interestingly enough. Going on to James Bond, he's about to be censored. Now, this is coming on the re-release of the book Casino Royale. In April, it's going to be the 70th anniversary of the book written by Ian Fleming. Now, this is a company called Ian Fleming Publishing, or publications, rather. They own the rights to his works. He passed away several years ago. This censorship is following a quote-unquote sensitivity review. And they're doing a couple things in the book. References to ethnicities are going to be removed completely from Thunderball, Quantum of Solace, and Goldfinger. Some of the books are doing things, also doing things as removing disgusting words, such as the M-word and replacing it with black person or black man. And it is interesting, going down the other notes around here, they're actually changing some of the context as well. And specifically, specifically they note in the book To Live and Let Die, Bond's opinions of Africans in the gold and diamond trade will change from the original, this is the original quote from the original book, being law-abiding chaps I should have thought except when they're, they've drunken too much that is going to be changed to pretty law-abiding chaps i should have thought which changes the meaning completely i don't know how this pejorative to a single race since every every race drinks and every everyone who drinks copious amount of alcohol isn't going to have a good outcome and now it is interesting to note that specific edit was approved by ian fleming before he passed away I believe he died in 1964. And depending on your train of thought, it also goes to the ever-evolving question of who owns the IP. Obviously, the author owns it legally, but a lot of people argue in culture is part of the cultural lexicon, and that's one of the reasons so many people criticize George Lucas, because he's edited his movies more times than people can count, and there's rumors that you can't even find the very originals. There's only, there's only one copy in his vault, secret vault. And it's interesting to see how artists are changing things. And after a certain point, I mean, the fans aren't really going to be happy with that. So they are just, they are removing some disgusting terms from the books, but it also 
it is changing some of the meetings and also is a work of the time and I'm one of those folks where I don't really believe in censorship or sorry I shouldn't say that I should clarify I don't believe in censorship but it is interesting to see that one particular instance was approved by Ian Fleming so he's long past so all the stuff now is being pushed by the publication company or the holding company that was formed to make money off his intellectual property. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. We have the same similar instance uh, with Dolly last week when the author of Matilda and I believe Jack and Giant Peach and a couple other classical kit um, and Charlie and Chocolate Factory, those books, they announced they were going to remove the word fat from them. And there's a lot of pushback, or among other things. And there's a lot of pushback from fans who wanted the original text as written by the author. And because of the pushback and all the people calling in, emailing, and telling them, frankly, they would they want to purchase a product that has not been changed, that company or the publisher behind those works of art, they're going to release both copies. So they will have the originals as well as the ones that are censored. It'll be interesting to see if James Bond and those copies will get a uncensored release if there's enough people doing pushback. I'm a little... I'm a little skeptical since I only know a few people actually are enthusiast enough to read Ian Fleming's work, which is a brilliant author. And I think a lot of people know the brand of James Bond from the silver screen with the traditional actor with Sean Connery and Pierce Brosnan. So it'll be interesting to see how many people are really buying those books these days and if there's enough pushback to allow an uncensored original publication. Now, going into the politics, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen recently visit, visited Kiev, Ukraine, and she noted, quote unquote, I bring to Kyiv, Kiev, whatever, sorry, a clear message from President Biden and the American people. We will stand with Ukraine as long as it takes. Which is a, that could be a very long time. It's almost, I've seen some comparisons to the Vietnam War where it is very similar. We didn't fight Russia directly in that war, but we've, in the beginning at least, but there weren't any Russian troops on the ground. So it was similar where at the first breakout, we were sending resources in terms of fiscal and military armaments, and then we were also training folks. So the U.S. has given Ukraine about 100, a little bit over $100 billion in a mixture of cash as well as weapon weapons. The Pentagon noted they spent in 2022 $62.3 billion uh, on Ukraine for um, specifically weapons, ammo, training, logistics, supplies, salaries, and stipends. And the United States Department, the State Department, and the Agency for International Development spent $46 billion on the Ukraine, specifically, but not limited to, border security, utilities, hospitals, schools. And to me, one of the concerning parts is the Pentagon has noted that they are unable to provide end-use monitoring in accordance to DOD, or Department of Defense, policy in Ukraine. So this means, rudimentarily speaking, they can't track the weapons or the serial numbers to ensure they are being used as intended. And that's pretty concerning, because they could end up anywhere on the planet, and we're starting to send the most advanced military armaments we have in our arsenal, and the United States is the leader bar none when it comes to 
military re military research and development. We have the top defense contractors on the planet. We make the fastest, most advanced technologies, bar none. Try, which is one of the reasons we are a superpower for now. And if we can't track where those weapons are going, it's almost even less of a. It's a concern if it gets used against us, but it's also one of the biggest, easiest ways to duplicate something is reverse engineering. If someone just gets a copy, or if they get one unit of a new missile or some new armament, or heaven forbid, the new we ever, we shipped out one of the new, I believe the M1 Abrams, our new tank, the upgraded version of the tank platform. You can have another country just rip that apart and replicate it with reverse engineering. And as long as they have the infrastructure in place to make the core materials, they can do it. So to me, that's a big concern. And I hope both Democrats and Republicans, everyone comes together and says, we can, you know, we all agree they should be supported, but let's make it more strategic. Let's look into how and track it and have a little bit more oversight. I think that's something everyone... I don't see this as a divisive issue in terms of politics. It seems like it should be an easy win just to team up and everyone say, we're, we're sending them a lot of support. Let's make sure it's an appropriate methodology as well as amount to see, make sure it's all, it's all being used properly. Because traditionally there's been a lot of corruption in that part of Europe. So it'd be good to ensure that the taxpayers and everyone is getting the best use of their money defending the country. And Yellen also noted it's an investment in global security and democracy. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of political strategists that are worried that once Russia takes that over, they'll just keep going like a hopscotch or maybe more appropriately a domino set. And in terms of ROI, the U.S., I believe we, and this is according to the Daily Wire I read a couple weeks back, we only use about 10%, or I say only, we use this, I believe, 10% of the budget, and it's already diminished Russia's military capacity by 50%. Granted, it's hard to quantify all these things, as, or maybe a disclaimer, because a lot of this, this information isn't firsthand, and it's not like Russia is telling us the exact stats, or it's hard to know where these numbers are really coming from and if they can be trusted. So bear that in mind when we're talking about these types of topics. And of course, I'm always open to new information as it presents itself. I always tell people, check out a couple different sources, give yourself the best idea, get a rounded opinion, or well-rounded opinion. Now, in terms of good politics, and something I think is good on, in terms of Republicans and Democrats team, teaming up together is the TikTok issue. So the White, ha the White House has set the deadline to purge TikTok from federal devices. They, they are giving agencies 30 days to ensure that no federal devices have TikTok installed on them. And they're also prohibiting internet traffic from reaching TikTok rudimentary speaking that's basically meaning if you don't have the app you can't go to you know brave or google and just access the the tiktok website through your browser which they should every politician if they're smart they should be taking this to the bank they should be saying hey we actually got something people came together and got something done that's that's an achievement in and of itself in the united states these days and so that seems like a great issue because it's basically spyware for china now, this ban follows other bans from other countries, including Canada and the European Union, as well as 31 states in the United States have all banned it on government-owned devices, which, of course, if you work for the government, you should have any apps on your phone, minus maybe a map app to get to work. I'm, if a phone is just for work, it should be just for work. 
So that's a good thing. That's something you don't hear me say every day. Now, going on to the business blunder of the podcast, this is a bizarre one. There's a recent movie that came out called Cocaine Bear. And the storyline is there's some cocaine smugglers and some cocaine falls, supposedly from their plane, and a bear eats it and obnoxious rigmarole ensues. And the business blunder, I think, is the asinine scene in the movie where a couple of folks are talking about not enough. But this movie's rated R, so kids shouldn't be seeing it. And the film shows a 12-year-old kid eating a tablespoon of cocaine. And the kid supposedly operates or you know acts as if they normally do. Now, the child actors in reality used a mixture of sugar and salt, according to director Elizabeth Banks. But yeah, what a, there's no reason that should... There's no logical reason or real reason that should be in the movie. That's a business blunder if I, if I ever heard one. You're not going to increase your, your sales. I, maybe sh- you're going for shock value, but it's, the United States has gotten to the point where nothing is shocking anymore because we've all seen it. The most heinous things have already been advertised done again and again. So it's not, it's not like grabbing people's attention. The main thing grabbing attention is just the oddity, and it's based on a true story of supposedly, of a bear eating cocaine. That's your story. That got people to go to theaters and jovially laugh at the silver screen and be entertained for a couple hours, allegedly. But having kids do that in the movie, you're just going to get get scrutiny. I don't see any positive to that. And then even oddly enough, the kid operates as usual or they just act as normal. And plus the child actors, are, they're, you're teaching them it's a fun thing. It is a bizarre thing. I don't see. I don't see how it added value to the movie. I didn't see the movie myself. I saw a couple highlights on the internet, but I don't see how they added value to the movie at all. So to me, that's just a business blunder in the movie industry, in the film industry of whoever created that. And I don't know what the director Elizabeth Banks was thinking, but needless to say, that that's a business blunder of the day. Now, thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to see more content, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment. Don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone. Just stay safe, fight the good fight.